Um, and, and all Britons, they're, they're certain that I don't preach here. Because every time they have come, I'm not preached. So um, that makes me feel like I need to do more work. <laughs> yeah, and you still move? Maybe that's, well, today may be the problem. <laughs> You're going, oh, honey, what did we do? <laughs> Is our home still available back in Charleston? <laughs> um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and we're going to be finishing up our study in Ephesians. Uh, and uh, what we've been talking about for seven or eight, maybe nine weeks now, uh, has been this theme that has wound its way through the book of Ephesians, which is um, the life that you're built to live and that I'm built to live and that people are built to live. And, and, and it's always, I think, encouraging uh, to think back and to know um, how we were built and that God built everyone, put us together perfectly. And, you know, we live in a fallen world. We lived in a, in a really messed up world, and we all have fallen short, and we all have sinned, and we all have decided at some point in our life to not follow Jesus and not to live the way we were built to live. We decided that at some point, all right? And, and that's when you, you get the entirety of this message in the Bible is about that good news, all right? You do have really the Bible in three parts. If you could summarize the Bible just in three parts, um, you could do that. You, you could really look at the first few chapters of the Bible and see that, okay, man fell. The rest of the Bible outside of the last two chapters is how we've been rescued. And then the last two chapters are how we're going to be with God in heaven forever. That's the Bible right there. I mean, you don't have to be a theologian to even know that. Okay, we just studied the entire Bible right there. So that's exciting. We've covered a lot today. You see, this is how we do it here. We just did the whole Bible. All right. Now go in peace. Love and serve one another. But remember in Ephesians 1, he started out, and, he, and, and that's what he developed. Uh, Paul developed this idea of, of our being put together perfectly, of us actually being adopted and chosen by God, which is really, if we lose sight of that, then that's where we get all messed up because we forget um, that God, his desire is to choose each and every person uh, in Jesus. That's his desire right there. And so remember, he, he's, he's developed this theme all the way through the last couple of weeks. He's really hit some, some major, uh, it's been pretty hard things. He's talked a lot about submission and surrender and those things that we feel oftentimes like they're the hardest, right? I mean, when you think of, of submit, anytime you use that word submit, it's kind of like, whoa, easy on that one. Except you want to know what's interesting is, is submission in the Bible. This is, this is really a cool thing. Um, submission, the way Jesus teaches it, ultimately ends in our freedom. I want you to think about that. That's really, really important because there is a side of it when we, we can still, in our own cultural mindset, view things and words like submission and think, man, that's bad and that's hard and that's demeaning and that's arrogant. And, and, and when we study it out the way it was written, the way it's been intended by God, the produce of that submission, what it should produce in us Amen. is freedom. All right, and, and, and freedom, what comes with freedom is, man, you just feel like at ease, right? Yeah. Uh, you feel peaceful. You feel like you're 
you're freed up to be who you were built to be. Okay, sometimes we mess that up a little bit, and sometimes we think, man, to be a good Christian, we have to be uniform, right? Have you ever done that? Have you ever saw somebody, and you're like, okay, they're really strong and solid, and, 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 and to be pleasing to God, I've got to be like them, okay? Except that's not true, because Ryan isn't built like Patrick. But they both can live lives that glorify God and that love God and serve others and seek. That is meant to be that way. And so part of submission is to free us up to be who we were built to be. And I wonder if that's a lesson. To me, that's one of the hardest things in the world because when you grow up, you're, aren't you always like comparing yourself to other people? and think, Even if you're not a Christian, you're thinking, wow, that person, I need to be like them. Or I need to act like them. Or I need to, man, if I was just... If I had that person's life, it would be so much better, right? Okay, and so anyway, he's developing this whole, this whole idea in Ephesians of teaching us how to live the way we were built, how to live that way. Now we're in Ephesians 6. We talked a little bit last week, but let's open our Bibles here. Um, th- this is probably um, one of the most famous parts of Ephesians, all right? Most most people, when you ask about Ephesians, they would say, well, the armor of God, right? I mean, that's right there at the end of Ephesians. It's the armor of God, and we're not going to talk about that at all today. (laughs) Because here's why. There's nothing to talk about when it comes to the armor of God. Paul doesn't even talk about it that much. He just says, this is what it is. Right, go, go, please, put it on. And sometimes we miss, in fact, as I was studying this, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that verse 10, 11, and 12 existed. I'm like, you know, you get through that because then you have to do all of the illustrative verses like, what are the, what are the, shoes fitted in the feet of readiness look like you know and what, what is that actually that breastplate of righteousness what does that actually look like it's the breastplate of righteousness right but as david said right i mean he preached a second sermon right there just put it on that's that's the message we do it, it it's valuable but i'm going to trust you to go back and study that part on your own because i think there's a greater theme that we can study here okay and we're going to start in ver- uh, chapter 6 verse 10 Uh, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and the authorities against the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's a, that, we, we've got to develop that a little bit. I mean, that, that does take some thought. I mean, the, the armor of God is very straightforward. And again, I have full confidence that you can go back and sit down with somebody and, and, and that can be, uh, it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, but he starts out and he says, finally do this. Um, put on, or, uh, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Okay. Who does that for you? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, and that's uh, the important part of reading the Bible is going, oh, okay. 
Um, because, you know, there, there's, there's this implication throughout the Bible, and it's, and it's funny because the more we talk about it, the more I share with, with people. We had a men's midweek where we talked about this a lot. There, there's such an incredible amount of, like, um, of, I don't know, like the light bulb going off kind of thing. When we talk about the implication of personal responsibility in the Bible, okay? Um, because what's our tendency? What's mine and yours tendency um, when it comes to being a disciple or being commanded to do something? What, what's our tendency sometimes? Is it to go? Hmm? Yeah, how do I get out of this? Okay, that's... That's a start. We're going to talk later, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was the wrong answer, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when we don't, see, here's the thing about it is, is what I love is we have a group of really, really good-hearted people sitting here. And when good-hearted people, when we look at a command, we can try to figure out, okay, how do I get out of this? But we need something more than just not doing it. We've got to have something that's going to make us like feel like we're okay, right? So what do we do then? Um, we try to kind of do it, like, in a way, in, like, we put it in, like, our own, our yeah. own spin on it. Yeah. Let, kind of we mold have, it. Some way to check it off the list. Yeah. How can I? Do an approximation of it yeah. so that we can say we did it, but yeah. we didn't really Okay, yeah. What else do we do, Brent? We'll look at others and compare how they're doing it, how can we do it better. Right. Um, or we just think of, well, I'm, I'm doing it better than this yeah. person, so I guess I'm, I'm in good shape. There, there is that idea of we all probably in our minds in some way, shape, or form have some kind of like continuum of, of on a scale of 1 to 10 um, and where everybody is. And, and we don't necessarily always have to be a 10, but we don't want to be like a 1 either. We, we've got to have people worse than us. Yeah. And so we to have a few people better. But, but we've got to kind of figure out what's everybody doing with this. Right. Okay? Yeah. I was thinking you can think about all the things that you are doing right and make that just apply for, well, I don't need to do this because I'm doing all these other things right. right. And that's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. So our minds, th- this, is, th- this is why this is so important because our minds – uh, man, our brains are built so in, in an amazing way, but, but part of it is, is we have this amazing ability to justify almost anything, almost anything. I, I always think about, you know, when, when God tells Moses to be still and I'll fight for you, so yeah. that means I don't have to do anything. Right. God's going to do it. You know, right. it's, I know there's all these things in there that it says for me to do, but I don't want to do too much. I'm doing too much. Like, right. I'll be... That's- let me be still and God will fight my battles. Right. Mean, which means don't do anything except watch Netflix. And, and you are in the will of the Lord at that point. Amen. Jacob. Sometimes without thinking to apply it to me first, I can think of the person who's not doing it. Right. And not, not like even trying to put it in the Right. Like, oh, man, this would be great this, for this person to hear. Isn't that? I can use this to help somebody. Yeah. You all know it's so funny. That is... Yes, I mean, that is, because here, we learn to do that as Christians, right? Where it's this idea of we've even, be, and we haven't begun, it's been said forever, but it seems like a, more often, it's, we're even saying things like, well, church isn't for Christians. It, it's for our friends, right? Bible talk isn't for Christians. It's for our, and what that kind of frees us up to do is, is whatever said, it's not for me. 
No, no, it's for, oh, I know. You know, I know what? That, I'm glad I brought my friend here because she really needs that. And, 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 and do you understand? Do you see how convoluted? Paul would never think that. Like never in any of his writings would Paul go, oh, this event here is for non-Christians and this event here is for Christians. He's like, no, man. I mean, when the, when the word of the Lord, I mean, it's like, hold on a minute. We all, there isn't anybody that has gotten their Jesus badge yet. And, you know, as far as like, man, we've reached it. You know, you, you can be washed in the blood of Jesus, okay? But that doesn't mean that, man, now every thought and action that I do is equal to what Jesus would do. So isn't it great? Because we honestly feel like, wow, I'm really, I'm really serving. Now, it's not bad to have that thought. If that thought is kind of secondary, right? And, and you remember even Luke wrote, that, Luke recorded Jesus' teachings on this idea of uh, the plank in our eye. I've gone, hey, that's a great thought. If, if, you, if we think, if me and you, if we think this would benefit someone else, then what we should do then is go, okay, let me, let me remove the plank from my eye so I can then serve them. Amen. All right? And so, yeah, I mean, all of these things happen, and so it's easy to read this, and we, and we don't realize that, wow, he just told me that in a completely unlegalistic way, I have the ability to make a choice to finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty strength. Like, regardless of what anyone else is doing, this is the expectation for me and you, okay, is taking that. Put on the full armor of God, he says, so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay. Um, I, I sent out a, a, an email with kind of a worksheet. And if you haven't looked it over and kind of played around with it a little bit, I would really encourage you to do that. Okay. Because it's important for us to get an idea. He says, man, we, want it, we need to put this armor on so we can take up and, and really... Um, fight against Satan's schemes. Now, my question for us is, what are those? What are those, okay? Is, and, and maybe we should take a step back and think, well, what does Satan want? I, what, do you think, what do you think Satan wants? What do you think? Yeah. He just wants... To do just enough to take our eyes off of God right. for just a minute. Right. Anything, just the littlest thing he can do to put in our lives to prevent us from being close to him. Right. It, it, it's exactly right. Okay, so just, so it's not even the idea of Satan going, man, if I can get everyone here to just be cold-blooded murderers. That, that's not what he wants necessarily. Okay, but it's the idea if I can just, you're on the path, if I can get you to veer off to the left a little bit and think that's okay. Okay. What else do you think? Yeah. Right. You know what's funny is, 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 and this is really, I think, encouraging to all of us, is, um, you know, what, what Jacob was just saying there is, is this idea of, you know, if Satan could get us to kind of pull away from brothers and sisters, 
and, and start mistrusting brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff. And, and what's encouraging about that is that Satan hasn't come up with a new scheme, like it, which is great. There's, there's the same old things that work over and over and over again, and I don't know a single time when part of Satan's scheme is if I can just get you to pull back from brothers and sisters because then I got you. That, that's, we would be crazy to think that that's not one of the things that he wants primarily because then we become our own Lord. We become our own, you know, on, on our own island, okay? So what else would you say that Satan wants? Yeah, Patrick. Uh, John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you think about that is, is uh, there's so much we could talk about of stealing, killing, and destroying in our lives, from our peace, to our marriages, to our kids, to our families. And you think, man, that's exactly what Satan wants to do is, is can, I have, can I get you to make a couple of decisions to destroy your family? Okay. Yeah. Um, he wants you to think that you're okay. Yeah. But you're just, you're doing all right. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you can surround yourself with people. Yeah who say, oh, you're a good person. Yeah. That's really great what you did. And you hear that enough and you think, oh, I'm all right. Yeah. I got this. Right, right. And you can tell that that's become a part of our culture where, right. where, where it, it's offensive to talk about and discuss, are we right or aren't we right with God? Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that Satan has done is Satan has, Satan has, has made two things equal that aren't equal. What Satan has decided to do is to say, He's made all of us really believe that if you aren't okay with God, that must mean you are rotten, evil, despicable, worthless. We equate those two. So naturally, if somebody comes up to me and says, Keith, are are you a Christian? How'd you become a Christian? I'm going, whoa, easy, man. Because what I'm hearing is are you saying I'm bad and rotten and despicable and evil and I have no good intention and I don't I can't love people and I, is that what you're saying and no not not at all you can be good and loving and man there's there's millions of people out there who aren't Christians that may love more and serve more and and, and do the things that Jesus has called and and that's the good news is, is that you don't have to measure up you you could be a great person but the goal isn't being good enough. The goal is being washed, Amen. right? Does that make sense? You know, so, so Satan has this scheme of going, okay, let, let me make this such a, a touchy subject, okay? And now, now what we do is just say, everyone's okay because I don't want to look at it. Right. When I think if Jesus were to come down, he would go, oh, guys, this is so simple. This is so easy. This is, this is such great news. That you have the freedom to go, you know what? I don't know if I'm okay. And that doesn't, that doesn't say you're rotten and horrible and, and you messed up your whole life. You know, and, and, and we've got to help people see that. Um, but we've got to take that equation away, too, that Satan has kind of put, put in our culture, right? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about in Job where you've got... Just so much going on that sometimes it's so hard to even understand who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Right. And I yeah. think even in reading it, I always want to figure that out and figure who. But it's so blended, and there's all this discussion about 
the way God does things and what this life is meaning then, if it's happening this way or that way, and arguments. And I think just so much in a word, confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been noticing, I'm reading it again right now, and how you see so many phrases like, well, in my experience, da-da-da-da-da, this is what happens and this is what God... Right. And in what mm-hmm. I've seen or taking a scripture even, but then adding in, therefore, but, right. and in the end, God's just like, stop. Right. Just yeah. stop and let me tell you who I am. Right. And and yeah. I think what that makes me feel like when in the beginning the whole thing is Satan is setting out to try to turn someone. Mm-hmm. And there's hard things and challenges, yes, but the bulk of it is all this talking, all yeah. this yeah. man trying to figure out what's right. going on yeah. and trying to point each other, but not really. Right. And yeah. And with good intent, and so when you're saying, what does Satan want, just in that example, it's made me think a lot in the last couple of days about, I think he just wants us to say, in a way, confused. We don't even have to take a stand against God, but if we're confused enough and right. putting our own two cents in and making our own conclusions yep. on, yep. then yep. then we're so mixed up that it's hard to be faithful and to be steadfast. And yep. um, and I'm glad he's willing to straighten us out. But right. But it just made me think that I really do think he wants us kind of overthinking and confused and kind of having a piece of truth, but mixed in with so much opinion. And this is what I've seen, you know, but it's just, it leaves us just not confident and Mm -hmm. and scared, really. Absolutely. You know, you think of the things that Satan would be okay with us doing. You know, I think he'd be okay with us going to church. It'd be fine. I mean, go ahead and, and, and go to church. Go ahead and take communion. Go ahead and, you know, be a part of a small group. Go ahead and do those things. I think Satan would be fine, you know, with those things. You know, one of the things I think that Paul does really well is he simplifies this uh, of us really going, hold on a minute. Okay, this is what I'm being called to do. Now, when I leave here, this is how I need to live with one another, and we love one another, and we serve one another, and, and, and that Christianity is this applied this applied relationship that happens in our lives, right? I think sometimes what Satan would be happy with is for us to stay. There's two places we can stay. The classroom, like, okay, I want to keep learning. Like, I want to keep learning almost like, no, I'm not going to trust God yet. I want to stay in the classroom and keep learning. And there's a time for the classroom, but then there's a time to go out of the classroom and live. All right? And, and, and I think that it's okay for him. Like Satan would be okay with us just kind of staying there and intellectually applying Christianity, right? Um, I think Satan would be okay with us not liking or enjoying or, 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 or I think he'd be fine with us um, knowing what sin is but not being convicted about sin. Like, I think Satan would be fine with, the, with disciples who just agreed with God. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like, everything you read, you're like, oh, that's absolutely true. <laughs> like, I agree that should happen. Yeah. Right? And, and I think Satan's fine with agreement and probably against us having any kind of conviction about this. So these are the questions, and it's really important that we figure out, okay, what, what does Satan want? What, what, what does Satan want? What are his schemes... We've got to ask and really write it down. What are the schemes he's using on me right now? Yeah. Or, or, or has he forgot about you, do you think? 
Like Satan's going, man, Brent is doing so great. I forget it. He'll be fine. I'm not even, he's doing too awesome for me. I'm not messing with that dude. Really? <laughs> I mean, Satan who went after Jesus. So we've got to know that he is scheming against every one of us to not just keep us away from God and out of heaven, but our kids and our friends and our family. And so we've got to know what scheme is he using on me and you? Like right now. And it might be the scheme of just, hey, don't take personal responsibility. Right. No, don't listen to this. Don't open your ears. Don't read. What, but we've got to, we really do. We need to write this down and figure it out. What are his schemes? But what are his schemes that he's used on me in the past? And what am I susceptible to today? What are ones that I know that he is using in my life right now? Okay, so these are the things. The question really is, is when we get to that place, then what do we do? What do you think? We, once we've, we've, we've examined all of that and we, we've become like greater in a, just a, we've been reminded or we've gotten a greater understanding of Satan and his schemes and these things, then what does the Bible say we're supposed to do? Okay, so that's in James 4. Resi- is that too simple? That's pretty simple. It, but again, it's not easy, but it's simple, right? So the question is, am I resisting? James 4, that's a fact, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you, okay? Don't, don't leave out the idea of we are in Ephesians 6 where he says, now, because of Satan's scheme, put on the armor of God. So that, that takes us home to study out the rest of Ephesians 6, right? So put on the armor, resist him. What else does the Bible say? Yeah, Jess. Um, it also says right here, it's at the end of the 14th, it says take your stand. So, I mean, I think just, I mean, it means you have to do something. We have to stand up to him. Right. To, just like a bully, you need to stand up to him. And yeah. I don't know, not like we can ever fully scare Satan away, but we need to take responsibility and Right. Well, and, and that's part of it because I think the internal working, I think Satan can tempt us with all these external glittery things and relationships. And, and those are almost the simple ones. But it's the idea of, you know, one of the ways Satan is described in the Bible is the accuser. That he's constantly, Revelation 12 says that Satan is accusing us day and night. All right. And he's accusing us who? Probably to God. It's like, you're going to take them? You, you're forgiving them? Like, what, look what they're doing. There's this accuser, but there's a, also this idea of right between our own ears. Yeah. Right? Th- this idea. So tell me what those things are. Tell me what are the things that come into your mind that you're like, wow, you know, Satan can really use this to just break me down. What are the things that, that he's saying that, that you hear in your mind? been thinking um, just since you sent out that thing about like what are the the schemes that I kind of that come to mind in the scriptures and one of them is when Joseph is in jail and this and the cupbearer shows up and he it, it's almost like Joseph two years ahead of time is thinking he shouldn't be where he is he's yeah. like I shouldn't be in jail get me out of here yeah. you know when you get out of here but it obviously wasn't time for him to get out of there right he wasn't, but he wasn't still right where he was. And I think that um, that's definitely something that 
Satan uses in my life. I, I, I think probably since I was like 14 years old, I mean, I, I, can, I can think of like, this has been going on for 30 years consistently, is God saying to me, or not God, Satan saying to me, you, you know, you're really not where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You should be somewhere else in your life. Mm-hmm. That this, you're, you're, you're somewhere you got off track. Right where you are is not where God wants you to be. And he can list, I can list like 10 things. And look, yeah. this, these are the 10 reasons why my life isn't where it should be. And I should be anywhere but where I am right now. Right. All these, these cir- and they're all circumstances. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with my heart or, or, right. or, or faith or anything. These 10 circumstances should be different. And so I, I think that's something that I, I clearly see that Satan is always kind of whispering like, shouldn't your life be somewhere else? Right. Yeah, and so it, and it creates this discontentment that where I am isn't good enough. I can't be still or content or have peace or, you know, have faith where I am exactly where I am right, right. now. Right. Yeah. It's this idea of somehow you're in the wrong place and you you've really messed up to get there. Right. Right. And, and and man, how can God ever work in your life? And you've got to figure out. And isn't that crazy? Because then the art, then then the whole conversation changes away from how do I live like right now right. Exactly. to worrying about things that we can't control. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've Sarah and I have been uh, getting with Zach and Rachel and showing them the Bible some, and uh, I think it's really interesting. I've been feeling a lot of things like Satan tries to tell me, you don't know enough, you know? Right. You don't know enough about the Bible to be doing this. Yeah. Uh, you failed one too many times to, to ever be successful with sharing the gospel with someone. Yeah. Uh, these things that, that you're not good enough right now. Give yourself some more time. You're not experienced enough. Those kind of things well up inside of me. uh, You know, when that's just what I've been feeling recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me let me read something to you this morning. This was what I was reading this morning. Um, but whenever we get the, because Satan does want to put in our head like, dude, you don't know enough and you're not good enough and you don't, you didn't do this enough and you're not, you know, proactive enough and all these things. Um, and it's interesting. Here's, um, uh, let's see here. Um, here's what God says um, about his people. Okay, he saved them. He's getting ready for them to go into the promised land, okay? Uh, it says, Deuteronomy 9, verse 4, After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, don't say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to take possession of the land because of my righteousness. No, it's on account of the wickedness of these nations the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to take possession of the land. But on the count of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that it's not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you're a stiff-necked people. <laughs> Amen. Go and be encouraged, you know. And, and the truth is, 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 is it should be encouraging because God is going, I know my children. Don't fool yourself into thinking that because you are so awesome, yeah. that's why I'm going to work. Right. Amen. God is going, I, you're stiff-necked, but I still love you. 
I, I've still forgiven you. I'm still bringing you into the promised land. I'm still not waiting for you to be perfect. Just understand that God's, God's words are understand that you don't think because you are so great that that's why I'm going to work. God is like, I'm working because I'm righteous. And I'm, I'm going to work because of what I've said. Right? And so you're right. I mean, Satan can kind of plant these things. You know, all kinds of things like, man, haven't you messed up enough? Like, how much more can God forgive you? You ever been there before? Right? Where you're just like, oh, man, that was it right there. That, I'm done. I, I've just wiped out all the grace that could possibly be used right here. All right? And, and, and there are these things that, that slowly erode us and discourage us. And, again, it's not even for, for Satan to want us to go and leave the church. It's like, oh, no, no. Now you all stay in the church and feel every time you come here that you feel worse and worse. Okay, until until the church becomes like the saddest place in the city. You know, it's just a bunch of like cramped up grumps, you know, that are just like all trying to pretend to be something that we're not when we get together because that will please the Lord. Right. And and so when you think of it logically, you're like, wow, man, Satan is scheming with all of us right now. He really is. Um, So put on the full armor, flee. man, of just being aware and taking personal responsibility, going back and making, like, we have to learn to make decisions of, like, no, I'm deciding now what I'm going to do differently in my life. Like, getting back to that, right? Um, and so there's this, there's this idea of, uh, and then as God put us together to encourage and to teach and admonish one another, this can't be done on an island. We've got to do this together yeah. in relationship But the second question is this, what do we do and how do we help other people with this? What do you think? What does the world need to hear? Because Satan has, Satan's scheming with us, but Satan has fooled the world. Okay. And so what do we need to do? I think, um, you know, so much of it is that we can get caught in making, you know, and talking about the devil, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And you can, you can have those conversations and make it a to-do list. Yeah. Ch- uh, you know, checkbox, but even thinking about, like, um, even with Deuteronomy, about what's the promise that God made to you know, the, the, the fathers, um, and what's, what's his good message, what's his good word, mm-hmm. what does that life look like um, for us as far as resisting the devil? What's, what's right. the joy of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where's the promises for yeah. us here now? And, and I think that's something that we yes. easily can overlook or easily not think about because it seems like that's people are more concerned yeah. with what's right and what's wrong. We, we try to give the world something we don't have. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm not talking about the idea of, of we can take them down the list and here's the gospel, but the idea of um, and this is a scheme of Satan as well, is, is it's okay to be a Christian and not produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like a spiritless church, okay? If Satan is like, I'm fine with that, all right? That, and so that's one of the things that we've got to kind of figure out is, is I'm going to sit down with somebody and tell them, man, listen, you will be filled with inexpressible joy when you become a disciple. <laughs> Okay, and they're like, really? I've known you for a long time. 
I don't know if I would use those two words together, inexpressible and joy. <laughs> you know? But it's the idea of Satan's going, hey, dude, don't worry. Listen, you're under stress. You're trying to seek and save the lost. You're helping people, man. That, that brings you down. I mean, Paul wasn't, and you know, we, we turn joy into like humor. And, you know, don't think Paul wasn't serious. No, 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 no. See, you can be serious and be joyful. But we can be fooled and, and, and we can look at the world and go, we've got to go give the world what the Bible says to have that we may be okay not having. Like, let me show you the way to have peace and patience and kindness and all these things. And hopefully, let's pray that. Let's all of us pray that we do meet somebody that wants to seek God and wants to study the Bible, but also at the same time is willing to go, what does this look like in your life? Okay, like really pray for those people to come into our lives because, man, we need to be challenged like this as well. So, so as we're helping others, it's kind of like, let's not get into this habit of, hey, here's this checklist that's going to make your life all better. Yeah. But we don't have on the inside what we need to be giving, right? Uh, I have two thoughts. One similar to what Brent was saying, but it's uh, when we're helping people being able to remember what God has done in our own lives and sharing that, because it's easy to say, well, God did all this in these people's lives in the Bible, but I can't tell you anything he's actually done for me, <laughs> you know? And then being able to, to actually think or remember, man, God has, this, these are the ways God has right. helped me through X, Y, and Z. Amen. Uh, I think that's huge, and it's very difficult. Um, but then also, I, I think... Um, being willing to be vulnerable and open Amen. with right. your own junk yeah. because you it's very easy to come across with, I've got all the answers and I've got it on perfect right. and you want to be like me right. where it's like no you want to be like Jesus right. and I let me tell you this is the stuff I'm still working on Amen. and uh, I, I think man, those two things. I used are, to be scared about that. I was like, man, if you're sharing your faith and you're sitting down studying the Bible with somebody, you'll hurt them if they know that you have issues. Right. And, and I remember even think I remember older brothers that the first time I realized they actually sinned and I was like, whoa. And I'm talking about like months after I became a disciple, you know, because there was this fear like, oh, you're going to hurt somebody. We're, I think we're going to hurt each other if we aren't vulnerable. Like if we're not real, I think we're going to set up this like false sense that, that there's this place you reach on earth where all of your circumstances are perfect. You don't ever have to have faith in anything because you're just, everything is, is perfectly coming together. And if it hasn't done that in your life, then something's wrong with you. Uh, you want to know what, though? I think that's the unspoken thing that we give to people, though, when we aren't vulnerable. Okay? Because I feel like it'll help them in some way to not, it, it, it like, let me sugarcoat the cross a little bit. Yeah. Um, and let me kind of just um, kind of put it off to the margin, you know, marginalize the cross, but yet, and then bring somebody to Christ through some other way. Right. Like, by telling them, like, not necessarily what they need to hear, like, which is you need to quit smoking and, you know, but doing it in, in a way that's, like, loving, you know, speaking the truth in love, that's yeah. kind of a difficult thing to do. Sure, yeah. right. If you're not walking in Christ or if you're not, right. you know, having a great day, it's kind of hard to just be graceful enough to say, you know, this is what I went through and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And, you know, I right. see this in your life and I, I'd really love for you to be able to 
have what I have, yeah. you know, and this is what I went through. Yeah. You know, so. We start kind of like massaging the word of God because we're like, you know what? If God knew what I knew today, I mean, this cross thing, this lordship thing, this baptism thing, this kind of stuff. Like, and there's an, there's an aspect where what's happened is, is it stopped being good news to us. Like, it's not good news anymore. It's like, no, I'm actually a little bit kind of ashamed of this news that, that this is what God is. This is what he's called us to. And when it stops being good news, this is for me, when it stops being good news, then, then I have to like, I can't be loving as I give it. I've got to give it almost like, okay, are you prepared for this right now? What I'm about to tell you, put your seatbelt on because you're probably not going to like Jesus anymore after I tell you this. Instead of when it's good news and it's like, hold on a minute, it's proclaimed as good news. Like the cross is good news. Lordship is good news. This is, and it's different. We can do it in, in love rather than like massaging it into like, let me make it really palatable and you'll like that flavor, except no one likes that flavor. Right? It's just, man. Yeah. Lawton. I think like reading, like going through like my Facebook news feed and stuff every day, like it occurs to me like how much we try to legislate morality and we try to like, as long as we have these systems and rules in place for our society or, you know, like what's right, what's wrong. And you see people commenting like, I would never do this or you should always do that. Right. That like we don't need God. Because Absolutely. we are our own right. form of judgment. Right. And it's like, that's why God's like, no, it's about your heart. It's not really about yes. your, I mean, it is about your actions, but they should reflect God. Amen. It's not about like, you will do these things. And if you do not, you are bad. You right. Know, it's like, yeah. that's not good news. Our, our goal is to continually go back to legalism. Yeah. It's like, if there can just be a law, no one would do wrong. Right. I mean, you know, it's always I think as long as the probably America's been a country, it's probably always been against the law to like steal something. Right. Has that stopped? Has it stopped people from stealing? You know, we, we honestly we do. I think that's a good point is we can think, oh, man, if I can just we can just make enough laws and enough, uh, you know, then everyone will be OK. I want to show you this as we finish up here. Second Timothy chapter two. Um, and I want this to sink in. I want us to go back. I want us to, to think through this here, okay? Is, um, verse, we're going to start in verse 22 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Now, now it doesn't say just when you're a youth to do that either. Like there's desires that you had in your youth that you still, you know, it's kind of like the midlife crisis. Okay, you can be a 60-year-old guy still wanting and pursuing the desires of your youth. Flee the desires of your youth, the evil desires of your youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Anybody ever had one of those? All right, verse 23 is really clear. Don't have anything to do with those because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Boy, sometimes we feel like that's our spiritual act of worship, (laughs) right? Because if I don't quarrel with you, then God won't be happy that I'm really convicted about this, right? Like, man, that's how God knows that we have conviction is we fight, right? Well, no. Yeah, right. I'm just saying if you're going, yeah, that's right. No, I'm wrong. Okay. Um, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him 
He must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. There's this idea of as we interact, as we go, and as we interface with the world, okay? He says there are a few things. Be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. If there's opposition, gently. And, and, the, and he says all of this, then, then maybe they'll come to their senses and come out of the trap of Satan. All right? Well, what's the temptation when you know in your, it, deep down you're like, this is wrong, they are wrong? What, what is the tendency... What do we tend to employ at that, at, at that point? And, and not only maybe, maybe somebody you know is wrong, but they are coming at you. Like, no, I'm not wrong. You know, stop judging me, Patrick. Stop doing that. And, you know, what is our tendency? Uh, I think I take it personally. I want to make it about me versus them instead of just like the situation or what's actually going on. And so it's like I get defensive and I'm going to be aggressive back because it's, well, no, you're attacking me. No, right. we're just talking. No, we're not just talking about what's right anymore. You're attacking me. Right, right. Now, you, you've taken Ephesians 6 and you said, no, th- my struggle is against flesh and blood. I don't care that, that Paul said something else. No, mine is, okay? And that's, I'm with you on that, okay? That's the tendency that comes into my mind is, but he says even right here, don't be resentful, okay? Um, what else is our tendency as, as disciples? The tendency and a tendency that we would maybe even pat each other on the back to, to be like. Any thoughts on that? You're being opposed you really feel like you got Bible in your corner on how it's supposed to be, all right? I think um, a few years ago I met with the campus minister for the Presbyterian Church like right. all semester, and um, it was really difficult to believe anything he said because some things were wrong, and so I felt very closed-minded, and I was like, well, I know scriptures against some of these things, and I feel like you're being too extreme. And I just wasn't, yeah. I wasn't able to see where he was coming from and that he was a lot more mature than I was in a lot of ways, even like biblically and stuff. But right. I was like, no, like you're wrong because of this specific right. scripture. Therefore, everything is wrong. Right. You're a hundred percent wrong because you're wrong in one thing. You're wrong in everything. Okay. That, that can be it. Let me just write you off completely. Okay. I think, um, sometimes as Christians, like what you're saying, we give ourselves a pat on the back for it is like, man, I'm going to bring down the hammer Right. And we, we see it as like conviction, like I'm convicted, so I'm going to like, you have no option. It's like submit or perish kind of thing. And it's right. like, I don't know. I think sometimes, especially when we're studying the Bible with someone, we're like, we want to make this a breaking point. And like after the study, I want them to decide to like yeah. become a Christian. And Right. But it's, it's kind of what you're saying. It no longer feels like good news. But the same, it's also just like, it's not gentle. Like it's not kind. Like if I kind of, if, like with any situation, yeah. I feel like nothing is really going to move someone for the right reasons to do something if it's not out of gentleness. Right. Do we really believe deep down that being kind and gentle will win the world? Yes. You got, take it home and think about that. Because the truth of the matter is, is, is here's the deal is there's, there's a hesitancy to that. And we do, and I'm talking about just people in general, we esteem the hammer. 
okay? That, that's the thing is you bring the hammer and it's like, yes, that's conviction. That's what's going to win the world. That's what's going to weed out the lost and the saved. And, that's what, and, and going, hold on a minute. Kindness, gentleness, love. Do we really believe that that is the prescription that God gives us? A bunch of hands just popped up here. Let's go, Alfreda. When I was a young Christian, um, it was very, very difficult for me. My mom knows all about this. Um, because I remember trying to share with my father what I, what I was trying to do. And, um, and my mother had to break up many arguments between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And um, where so much to the point where my father wrote a letter to me asking to rekindle and recover our relationship as father and daughter. Yeah. Um, because we were so close. Yeah. And we had become so divided. Yeah. And um, and it was because I felt that I was standing up for my convictions because I felt that if I didn't really um, stand firm that I would fall into legalism and going back to where I came from and mm-hmm. feeling like I was doing um, what I always did. Yeah. So it was really a fine line for me, and I didn't know quite how to do it with love. Yeah. And um, and I have a lot of regrets. Right. I have a right. lot of regrets. That's right. And um, so much so, I was crying about that with Lois just last night. Yeah. During our date. Yeah. Um, and I think where um, yeah, it's really tough. You know, as a young Christian, I remember. Um, I mean, I was discipled about it. I mean, I was—I received a lot of help with it because, you know, even as an older woman, as a married young married woman, um, and my father was celebrating um, his—I <coughs> think it was 40 years at the time in the ministry—and I—I wasn't going to go, and I was discipled about my heart. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, what are you showing your father? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be showing him love right you know and and it really it was really hard for me so i had i had to work through some things that were in me right that had nothing to do with him right and so i went to show love for him and then i sat down the next morning and i said dad can we talk yeah you know i realized that i need to forgive you for i mean i need to ask for forgiveness right for how i treated you Mm mm-hmm and, and it was really great because we were able to really talk it through about some things of how we hurt our relationship through those years. Yeah. And, um, and I think where um, we can become so dogmatic about what we feel and what we believe that we forget we're talking to a person. Yes. The whole, pur- right. the whole purpose is to help them to truly understand where we're coming from. It needs to come... It's like we really need to be careful what's our intent. Yes, that's right. What we're doing. Yeah, and so we've got to challenge our view. Do we really believe this can win? Now, here's the deal is, is we could decide as a group. We could say, no, we're going to bring the hammer and unmerciful. We are going to be merciless in bringing the hammer in Clemson. And you want to know what? We'll grow. We will. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I've I spent years beginning in the campus ministry being like that. And you know what? You grow, and you know who you grow by? Everyone that's like that. Yeah. You alienate everyone else, but you have a group of people that all go, I like what you're doing. 
Okay, and so we'll grow, and sometimes that's what ends up happening. We, we subscribe to something, and we go, but look, it's growing. Okay, but the message of Jesus, when we talk about kindness and able to teach and not resentful and opposing people, but doing it in love and treating people the way Jesus would treat people, when we believe that, then you want to know what the group grows in? In people who aren't like one another. All right, that's when cities get one, okay? Not like this little church here and this little church. And every church is kind of one over the people that that church thinks like, okay? That's, that's why people are like, no, I like this church and I like this, because they've won that type of person. And Jesus is going, hold on a minute. When we, when we do it his way, then all of a sudden you win communities, all right? But it's that idea of do, do we believe it because... It's not a quick fix. We can do things quickly, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're godly. Okay, and that is a scheme of Satan as well. So in this section right here, we've got to look at it and go, hold on, do I really believe this? Am I living this way? Like, am I really like where the, what people see from the Clemson Foothills Church is love and kindness, not resentful, warm outgoing, doing the ministry of Jesus, serving people, you know, or is it something else? Yeah. Is it something else, right? I was thinking of what are, are those ammonia things that you break open? The MCAP, yeah. Yeah, ammonia to caplet. like bring somebody yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. It made me think that last <laughs> verse, um, then they may come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, having been captured by him to do his will, where... We can be those things that you pop open and it definitely gets somebody's attention and makes yeah. them see something, but you can't have you can't live with that around either. Like as soon as they're awake, you need to get it away. Like people yes. can't handle that. Right. But it does say we're gonna have an aroma and to, to some yeah. it will be the aroma the of life. death. Yeah. And some death, like not everybody's gonna like what you are or enjoy That's right. That's the exactly aroma right. you spread because of where they're at. But they still yeah. They can exist around, like, yeah. the you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, there is a smell that does the, get attention. Yeah, there's going to be an aroma and of death. When, 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 if we love completely and unconditionally to the whole world, there's still going to be people that go, I don't like that. It's like the hammer that you right. can't. Hey, I'll tell you. If, but it's not right. always good. If you've never smelled an ammonia caplet before, we used them in the training room all the time. We would mess around with people. So if you fell asleep in the training room, we would pop one under your nose. And it's like getting hit in the face by a boxer. You know, so that's great. Yeah, it wakes you up. <laughs> yes. It will do the job, but then everybody else is awake. You can't be the ammonia caplet all the time, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's wrap it up here. Liz, go ahead. I was just thinking, um, you know, we're talking about being loving and gentle and kind, and I think that there's a misconception in our society today that if you – love someone or you're kind and gentle to someone who lives a worldly life that you agree and you're okay with what uh, they do. Oh, uh, say that in the microphone. <laughs> That's exactly right. We, we need to hear this, okay? I about, like, even my students this past year, like, I had some that, you know, I think kids are confused at that age and confused at any age, really, but kids that are, you know, that... I had kids that identified as atheists or they were, um, they said that they were gay or that they worshiped Satan. I had all of these kids that were, and then, you know, I had the stereotypical, like, 
good Southern Christian kid. And, um, you know, I had to love each one of them equally. And, and, but I think there's, again, there's a misconception in society that, oh, my friend divorced her husband. So I can't like anything that she does anymore. I can't love her anymore. Or I have a, my friend is now transgender. So I can't, I can't even talk to that person. Right. Like, Listen, this is so huge. It, we, are, we are digging into a scheme of Satan that will relegate the churches completely, which honestly, in America today, the church makes zero impact. I'm talking about Christianity. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about just people who claim to be Christian statistically make no impact. Okay? And, and it's becoming more and more irrelevant. The church is becoming, on, we are on a fast track to irrelevance in the nation. Okay? And this is part of it, is this idea of going, if I love somebody I disagree with, people are going to think I'm condoning that. Or I have no conviction about that. Or I think that's okay. All right? If, if that, that's the thing, we've got to wrap our minds around. And we have got to take our stand and, and, until Satan flees from that. Okay? Because the equivalent of that would be would be Jesus going, I'm not going to go to that woman caught in adultery. They may think, I think that's okay. I'm going to leave her there. Okay? Or if I go and talk to her, I'm going to have everybody see me treat her really harshly. That way they'll know. Okay? And I share this, I'm like, for real, is, guys, this is happening even now. All right? Where, where we're going, hold on a minute, I, I won't do this because then people will think I think that. And I'm going, no, no, that's the culture of non-responsibility talking, of, of us saying, you want to know what? Be, listen, there is no excuse. If somebody comes into the Clemson Foothills Church and says, you want to know what? Because you love people that you don't agree with, y'all have no conviction. I, I'm going to be like, really? You, dude, we all are, know what's in the Bible and are living for that. And, and you can't use that as, as an excuse not to. Okay? But we don't have a choice. We must love. So Liz going in and going, boy, I better not love the kid that thinks he's a Satan worshiper. What would that make him think about Jesus? <laughs> right? No, but, but the truth of the matter is, is, is this is huge right here. I mean, this is something where if we don't let it sink in, then we will just become an irrelevant group in a city that just brings people in who already agree with what we agree on. Okay, and that isn't the message of Jesus.